We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? And oh, happy Super Sunday. The big game. <laughs> Can't say the name of the game because apparently if you're a person that exists in the world and you don't have a contract with the NFL, you're not allowed to say the, the two words that I'm not going to say because I'm going to get fucking sued. <laughs> um, yes, uh, it's your boy, John of the Mac, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast here with Jeremy Cohen. I'm a little bit loopy today. Uh, how are you, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm fine. Tired, long week, excited for, uh, I don't know, for it just not say to be it. the trade deadline anymore. What? You're, I was, oh, I thought you were going to say excited for the all star break. That's what I'm excited for. Oh, that for. too. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100%. Yeah. Um, I love this team. I'm excited to also give it a week, you know, just, just a week to be human again. I, I feel like it's been, I mean, we're not going to, this is, we're not really going to do a whole, big picture uh overview because we'll save that for for next week we'll we'll uh we'll do a whole bunch of stuff for the for the all-star break but like it's been for as good as they are and for or for as good as their record is i should say i haven't been very good last last little bit um this has been a very up and down season it's been i think uh, it's uh emotional is the wrong word but it's been like i don't know it's been pretty intense right and then you had a one big trade and then you had another big trade and there's been a lot of injuries and stuff. So it's been, I mean, and it's left us feeling a certain type of way. I can only imagine how the, the players are feeling who are the ones, you know, who actually have to do the thing on the court that we talk about every week. It's probably tough. Yeah. I would say that's uh it's a tougher job than what we have. Slightly. Like Slightly. just a little bit, like really. And who, yeah. And who could, who could be certain? Um, so here we are. Uh, we are recording this as I—I uh, I don't know if I actually mentioned it—at nine uh, nine forty-three in the a.m. Um, uh, on Sunday. So you, it, this episode is dropping a little earlier than usual. Uh, so we are about twelve hours removed, not quite, uh, from the Knicks' uh, loss to the Indiana Pacers at home. Uh, they finished up what was essentially a month of home games at. Um, 
Well, no, they finished up a month of home games because the two games that they played away from Madison Square Garden were in Brooklyn and in Charlotte, where there were far more Knicks fans than than uh, Nets fans and Hornets fans, respectively, at those two games. So, you know, it's been a month that the Knicks, we looked at ahead of this part of the schedule and we were like, the Knicks need to clean up. And I would say that even though they uh, are entering these last two pre-All-Star uh, break games, uh, having lost uh, three or four, they did what they needed to do. If we zoom out, you you could and well again we'll we'll, we'll zoom out maybe a little bit later. But as far as the week in review, it is three losses in four games, and for this week in particular, which we are focusing on, it is um, one win and two losses. They started off with what was a a, a win against the Memphis Grizzlies, one twenty three to one thirteen. If there was ever a game this season where a win felt like a loss, it was probably this. If not this, then maybe it was the other Grizzlies game. Um, but it it was, I think this this more so because Brunson, Jalen Brunson was was healthy for most of this game until the last five minutes, which leads us to the the next game in our week in review, which is the the Mavs game, which Jalen Brunson did not play in. Um and the fact that Brunson didn't play, I think, kind of cemented that that would be a loss because it was the night of the trade deadline. They didn't have anybody. And so really like they fought valiantly that of all the games, the season was probably the loss that felt most like a, not like a win, but felt most positive. And then it all led, led up to last night, which is, I think we're going to probably spend the majority of our time talking about, because I think last night was the culmination, the manifestation. I don't know what word you want to use of um, some different issues that are plaguing this team right now that we don't think will necessarily be long-term issues, but there's there's a lot again, there's a lot of balls in the air. So that was the week that was obviously the the big story they traded for Burks and Boyan. OG Ananobi had surgery. I mentioned the Brunson miss game and then um Hardenstein obviously also missed last night because he um messed up his Achilles in some way, shape or form in the Mavs game. So this is probably the biggest week of the season. Before we get into some specific discussion topics, any overarching thoughts for you? Where does this Probably the worst week of the season, and yet it was. St- there were still some highlights, and it doesn't really feel like it's going to uh, drag into much of the rest of the other of the regular season. I mean, you would certainly hope that OJ Anunoby can come back in a few weeks, and yeah. that Julius Randle's healthy. And Isaiah Hartenstein is just taking the rest of the time between now and the All Star break to get healthy, so he's ready for that stretch run from the end of the All Star break uh, or the second half of the season until uh, and through the playoffs. But none of it is really shaking me to my core. It's just kind of like, yeah, this was a bad week, but it doesn't feel indicative of who or what this team is moving forward. And with that, like if you want to call it copium, then sure. It's more just like that Mavs game. I watched it. I also felt like if I missed this, wouldn't matter at all. Because what is this game really going to tell us? Like what is yeah. the Charlie Brown Jr. game going to tell us in the long term uh probably nothing and i don't mean that as disrespect to him i just mean that in that he wouldn't get playing time with a healthy roster uh the pacers game it was your first game with bogdanovich burks returns but they're down to their fourth string center and they've got precious achua as well as the other option you got Jalen Brunson finally coming back and lighting it up, but he's only one person he can only do so much against uh, a good team and the Grizzlies game, yeah, we 
I mean, we were on, doing the watch along. Uh, you were right in terms of the three point shooting. The barrage of threes that just rained down still, Madison Square Garden. It's I still can't believe that happened. Yes, and even still, it's just like yes, it's going to happen on any given night. But it just so happened it was this night. So it just it felt like all of the like uh, the the perfect storm yeah. coming to play this week. You hope it doesn't carry over. But the Knicks just need to get into the all-star break. They just need to get past yeah. these two games so they can rest, get healthy. But more importantly, you don't have to have Josh Hart playing 40 plus a night and probably having nightmares in his sleep at the mere fact of that he has to run consistently, especially uh, perhaps balky knee. So they just need to drag their limp their way through to the finish line. And they're almost there. And then hopefully we're having healthier, uh, more exciting conversations in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, it's really weird. And we'll, we'll jump into our discussion topics, which Andrew, as always, has been kind enough to, to write down. And I'm, I'm kind of going to bastardize what he wrote a little bit because I feel like a lot of these different things tie together. So we obviously have the situation where last night, Mitchell Robinson out, Hardenstein out, Sims out. And I'm going to throw in... Um, and I know that this is the like the specific conversation that is on a lot of people's minds right now is whether the Knicks should sign a center, um, like literally today as you're listening to this, so they could get help get by uh, in these two games before the All Star break. We'll get to that in a second. The thing I want to point out here, um, and I'll say why in a second, is that OG Ananobi obviously was out for this game as well. So, okay, why am I making a point to mention that a guy was out who's been out for the previous, whatever, two two plus weeks? It's because this was the first game all season where none of Mitch, Hardenstein, and OJ Ananobi played. And uh, I bring that up to you specifically because I know uh, from all of the cap or no caps that we've done, one of your favorite advanced stats is defensive EPM. And I went up, I went and looked uh, this morning the three players that I just mentioned, uh, Mitch Hardenstein, OG, they're all in the top 15 in DEPM. And among players who play at least half of the game, so 24 minutes a game, uh, they are in the top 10. It's the first game all season they didn't have any of those three guys. Uh, so I thought it was... And and who, did, who were they playing on the night they didn't have all those three guys? The best offense in basketball. So to say that we should not be making a whole lot out of this Pacer game... Um, I think is and to you know some extent the the Mavs game before it, I think is is quite an understatement, and yet, like, it again. I'm not saying we. I just said we should not make a big deal out of it. I agree with you. Just get into the All Star break. Get past that. I don't. I don't have long term concerns about what this team is going to look like. I think they're going to look really good. I'm excited to see what they look really good when they get healthy. But because the goalposts, I feel like, have now changed, um, largely because of the trades, but just, and I think this group has come together really well, like, it, it, I don't know how else to say this, every game matters, you know? It's like every loss matters when you're chasing who you're chasing in the standings, especially since one of the teams that you're chasing doesn't seem to ever want to lose again. Um, Of course, I'm talking about Cleveland. So, like, I don't know where that places the level of stress for me right now. Like I'm not worried about 
the long term. I'm not bothered by like this loss to the Pacers, not bothered by loss to the Mavs. And at the same time, we have two more games going into the break against the, we'll talk about them later, the Rockets and the Magic on the road. Neither will be an easy game, both winnable, both losable. Like, I, you know, so it, I, I'd rather not lose both of these before the All Star break because then it, 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 you wonder how much separation is going to be there between you and the teams that you're you're chasing. So if I'm going to do like a big picture right now, I think that's kind of where my mindset is at. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you summarize it? Where exactly is your mindset at? I'm like I'm not worried, but I'm worried. Which okay. is basically my mindset for every podcast that we've done over the last five years. I was going to say, why is this night different from all other nights? Uh, but that's okay. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying in terms of the lack of talent on the floor and how that impacts the defense. And it absolutely does. And it's concerning. Of course, it's concerning. But I'm also at a point where it's like, well, what are they really supposed to do? Like, wh- what... Right. It there is no margin 10 day contract magic that inspires the level of confidence that people think that it might. And I just like it's one of those things where I, I just have to shrug and say, you got to try to win these games at a certain point. Yes, you're absolutely right, John. They do add up in the standings. And when you look back and it's like, well, why couldn't we have done this? Well, because we weren't healthy. But it's not like the Knicks have invested in several players who are injury prone, right? Like yeah. Mitchell Robinson, yes, he misses time, misses sometimes significant time. OG Ananobi gets nicked up every year. It's just a way that it just happens. But Julius Randle, up until last year, workhorse. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein played all 82 games. Uh, Jalen Brunson is typically very durable. Right. He missed for what game. he is, for what his size is. He's Iron exactly. Man. Yeah. So, it 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 seems silly to be like, well, that's just the way it is. But there sometimes isn't another reason behind it. Like these were good teams that the Knicks faced and they faced them with significantly fewer good players than the other teams had. Yeah. And the other teams won those games. And that's fine. Like we're going to look at three Pacers games that are in the books. All three of them done. Yeah. Not a single one featured OG Ananobi on the court. Yeah. I know. Like if we're talking about what's supposedly one of the best players in the NBA on the offensive side in Tyrese Halliburton for him not to go a single game matched up against the Knicks best defender. Yeah. Also without Mitchell Robinson for all three of those games, like it tells me that the Pacers did a great job of winning two out of those three, almost three out of three, but they lost one of them and the Knicks finding ways or needing to find additional ways to like get more from their, their group, but they're stretched so thin that it's tough to do. And when you get someone like Boyan Bogdanovich, it's great that the Knicks didn't have to give up a first round pick for him. There's also a reason why he didn't generate one because he's fourth in defense. He's fourth percentile in defensive EPA. He's not a good. So like you get, you pay for it to an extent too. So it's not like the Knicks made these defensive upgrades that also would have helped them last night. They made, that they just got good, healthy players that can help rest their other players who are already so burnt out that they just need the break as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm hopeful the next two games at least one win can come of it, but your hands are tied at this point to a very great extent. I, I completely agree with you, and that's why I, I realize I should choose my words better. 
I am worried about the fact that like again because the goalposts have moved you told me before the season the Knicks were going to end up with the four seed I'd be throwing a freaking party and now it's like oh the four seed Boston second round all of a sudden we're thinking second round is it like a, a fait accompli like they have a long way to go before they get there um, but I'm not frustrated I think that's the distinction worried but not frustrated um, and just to put some numbers to what we've been talking about in this team this year has played uh, to do 800 is a by cleaning the glass 827 possessions without any of the three players I just mentioned, Harnstein, Robinson, Ojananobi, uh, outscored by 11.3 points per hundred in those uh, 827 possessions. Uh, terrible offense, terrible defense. And then if you add in Sims to the mix, so basically Achua or Gibson at center, it goes to minus 14.5 um, uh, differentiate, differential in 512 possessions with a um, worse defense and a much, much, much worse offense, which I, I find um, most interesting, perhaps. So, uh, so yeah, that's that. And here's the other thing. We're talking about this Pacers game and then the game before it where they struggled also, I think, defensively against the Mavericks. The Pacers this season are the first-ranked offense. I mentioned that. The Mavericks this season are the seventh-ranked offense. The next two teams they play are the 22nd and 24th ranked offenses. So hopefully these are a little bit, a little bit better matchups for, for where they are at right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You talked about the center thing. Should this should the Knicks sign someone to a ten day contract? I mean, the notion of bringing in someone off the street who's completely unfamiliar with your system and who you are unfamiliar with to a greater extent, and expecting them to help you win a basketball game or basketball games. I think I'm with you, um, man. I'd love to know what's going on with Sims. Three games with an illness. Does that maybe that maybe that should have been the lead story? Like why? Like what? What's what's going on with him? I don't know. I don't know. It's that. Yeah. It it's the winter. We've all <laughs> had colds that or illnesses that last. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to uh to get the. I'm not either. Coroner out here, but yeah, like it, I don't know. Look, I'm ready who, to get the coroner. Yeah, like it's an illness. I don't know. It's, Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's what no you were going, going for, coroner. Like. <laughs> That that's where you're going. <laughs> like, oh, it's not three games. <laughs> check his pulse. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an illness. He's, he's, he's I don't know. Should we we'll check see. the Borgs? Oh, my God. 
Oh man. All right. I don't even so, know what to say. All right. A couple things. First off, let's talk about what the buyout 10 day yeah. rest season market looks like. So before the Knicks re-signed Taj Gibson or thereabouts, they had options, just a couple off the top of the head, Bismack Biombo, Robin Lopez. Bismack Biombo chose to sign a contract. Seemed like it was for the rest of the season uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yep. Now, it's a rest season contract that they gave to him. So it's money that they were willing to spend. He may not have wanted to come to New York because the whole process would have been like, well, you could be the fourth string center in New York. And maybe he didn't want that. Maybe he wanted a clear path to playing. The yeah. Thunder are obviously a very good team as well. They needed they a needed- veteran. In the backcourt, in the front court, excuse me. Yeah, because they they don't have any traditional bigs. He at least no. he, he gives them one traditional big right on their roster. Correct. Yeah. So the path for him to get what he's looking for was clearer. Robin Lopez really just hasn't been a productive center in a few years. Mm-hmm. If the Bucks wanted to move him, I understand that there were salary implications from the tax. They saved money by dumping him to Sacramento. With that said, if he were a valuable piece to them, I don't think that they would have moved him. I think that they would have sucked it up and said, this is the finances The finances we're dealing with. It's fine because he's a winnable player. But all of that is kind of moot, and I'll explain why. And it's working backwards. You might be thinking, well, as of right now, the Knicks are about $2.5 million away from the luxury tax. So uh, it's fine. They, they have money to spend. If they really wanted to go out and get someone... They could. And as a reminder, these rest of season contracts are prorated. Every single day, the amount drops bit by bit. 10-day contracts also exist. If you're signing Bismack Biombo to a rest of season contract, then you're paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for him to sit on your bench. For example, the Knicks are paying Taj Gibson $116,000 for every 10 days that he's on this team. And you might be thinking, well, that shouldn't matter to me. I don't care about the taxes. And I get it, but it's it's further than that. And here's why. There is a star, and I'll be kind of vague when I say it, but there's a star that I believe the Knicks will go hard after this summer. And you might be thinking, how does that impact the Knicks? Because they're probably not trading for any player this season um, before July 1st when the new year turns over. So like, why would that star impact the Knicks? And a lot of it has to do with matching salary. And my theory, and we'll see if this is true, is that the Knicks are going to try to stay above the $2 million mark range. They might go a little bit under. It's very possible. But I think they're going to well, try to hover sorry. around the $2 million in luxury tax space. It's like, okay, why? Because of salary matching for a theory that I have, which I will elaborate on. And we'll, we'll, my theory will, will, be, will either unfold itself or it won't, depending on how the Knicks operate over the next two months, okay. which which comes into focus of these 10-day contracts. Okay. So you have 14... I said this on the, the live stream, but you can go 28 days through the season with fewer than 14 players on your roster. The Knicks kicked that off on February 8th when they had 14 players. But you can only do it in 14-day increments. The max you can have fewer than 14 players on your roster is 14 days. So February 8th would take us to like February 21st, February 22nd. Taj's 10-day contract expires sometime over the All-Star break. Fred asked who I thought the Knicks might sign. 
And the answer that I gave and the one that I'm more confident in is that they would go for a young player who has next to no NBA experience. It's their rookie year. And the reason is that the 10 day contract that a player that's in year zero, which is their rookie year, um, would be signing is $64,000. If they signed a player who had one year of experience, it'd be $103,500. If they sign any player who's had two or more years of NBA experience, the cap hit would be $116,000, exactly what Taj has. My hunch is that the Knicks will go through the duration of Taj's 10-day contract. And then the day before or the day of that first game that they come back for for the All-Star break, they'll sign two 10-day contracts for guys who have had limited to no NBA experience um, and are essentially rookies, right? Like anyone from their G League roster, Jalen Martin, um, anyone else who's there, like they could sign two of those guys. Summer League star, Jalen Martin. right. And these are players who you're not expecting to see time at all. It's just no. meeting the requirements and that they keep doing this in a way where they buy their time uh, or buy time and get multiple 10 day guys on the books, meet all the CBA requirement crap that they have to do. And then they finally sign two players or one player. We're really two players to re- uh, rest of season contracts Does that are need, extremely sorry. cheap. Does it need to be two? Well, they need to get to 14. Right. So right now they're 12. They're 13 with Taj. Taj's contract comes off the books. So it becomes 12. So they sign two 10 day players uh, at some point in like February 21st, February 22nd. That gets them 10 days further. Then they can do the whole 14 days without 14 players thing again. They could sign one one of those players to a 10 day. Sure. Okay. They could then, you know, like there's there's a whole process they could get to where they just kind of keep getting more time. And then finally, when they have to, cycle through all these 10 day contracts and they want to have some sort of non-guaranteed contract on the books for next year. That's when they could go in for the kill of let's sign players to write uh, rest of season contracts that are like 150,000, maybe a little bit less than that. There's a way where they can squeeze it down to that. And when you consider all of that, it's why I don't think they're going to go in the direction of signing a rest of season Bismack Biombo type. Why they're not going to give Robin Lopez a 10 day. Because if you give Robin Lopez a 10 day contract, for example, then that is double the amount that you would give to a rookie player on a 10 day because of how the cap hit works. So it's all financially motivated. And I get it. There's more to this that I'm not saying because I'm trying to be vague because all will be revealed and I can assess it and it can either be completely wrong or be right. But I don't think it's going to be completely wrong. I think that they're going to try to find ways to just skirt around the $2 million threshold so that they can get money in, finagle things, and then accomplish what they want this summer. So it's a very long-winded way of saying they're probably not going to go for the buyout market or get these veterans that people are familiar with because they're not really going to help them win a lot of basketball games. And it's also going to mess up their books most likely. So just if you envision the 14th or 13th roster spots uh, as the glue keeping this team together when they're down bad, then you're probably still looking in the wrong direction because that's not what they do. They are depth pieces. They are guys that just help you check off the boxes the CBA requires you to check off. So when I look at Taj, I don't look at a guy who like can't do anything right now because age 
hurts him. I mean, I do see it a little, don't get me wrong, but I primarily see it as you're telling me that the Knicks fourth string center isn't really fifth string because Precious is there, isn't adequate enough. And like, that's what we're crying about. Yeah. That the fifth guy in line can't do the job because the and, first guy's hurt and the second guy's hurt. And the third guy is, is I guess I'm saying Precious is the third guy is playing. And the fourth guy is already in the morgue. So we're down to the fifth player. Like, again, I don't I, I don't know what really is supposed to be done while the Knicks balance their finances for stuff you don't have to care about, but you very well may need to care about no, in the coming months. No, you, you the, we sh- whether or not we care about it or not. Not you, by the way, to be clear, not you, John. I, I know. I know that um, if you if you like all of the flowers that have been thrown towards Leon Rose and his front office over the last several days, which again, I know is kind of falling flat as you're listening to this, like today, because the team is in a a little bit of a rut because of these injuries. But if you like seeing like respected NBA people be like, Hey, the Knicks have managed their cap and assets as well as any team in the league uh, since Leon Rose took over then you at least have to respect the fact that the front office cares about the sorts of things that Jeremy is saying um, to, you know, well, well, again, we'll see if, if they come to fruition or not, where I'm at is if you're like, well, that's all, not, that's all well and good, but they may have lost the game last night because they, they, you know, didn't, didn't have someone better on the roster. Like if you go through the, the, the list of things that needed to happen again, Hardenstein, Achilles, um, Sims, injury or illness, whatever. We, we uh, thoughts and prayers, and then facing again. It, it needs to be said they faced the number one freaking offense in the league, and they faced it on a night when their hot and cold starting center, Miles Turner, who was often a bellwether for this team, went. Seven, I think he went seven for seven. He was. I don't think he missed a shot last night. Like you could be like, whoa, he didn't miss a shot because of who he was playing. Well, no, like the, the dude was hot. And I, I'm going to say something probably very controversial. I would rather have Taj the next two games than whoever it is that they're going to bring in off the street today. And to be even more specific, if I'm sitting here and I'm Leon Rose and it's 10.08 a.m. as I say these words on Sunday, February 11th, Again, unless I know for sure that like Sims has some like the bubonic plague, I'd be like, all right, Arnstein maybe gives it, a, maybe could give it a go in our next game. Sims maybe could give it a go in our next game. Um, Precious probably going to look better defensively, uh, you know, against uh, our next two opponents who are not, do not put as much pressure on you. Taj will look a little bit better. Like these are all considerations. And the front office has a larger plan at play. So I, I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not losing my shit over this. My my biggest worry is that the Knicks sign a nobody or sign some rookie. And the prevailing thought is after, you know, like after like, hey, why couldn't the Knicks have just signed an established center who, let's be honest, would be washed and really wouldn't give them a ton, even if it's on a 10 day is, yeah. oh, well, the Knicks are being cheap because they're trying to save Dolan money. And I'm telling you, to do with that. It's not, that's not the case. It's not about a lack of spending money. It's about trying. You only have a finite amount to use. And I still believe that the Knicks will try to use something between now and June 30th. And if they're going to do that, and I think that they will, that they need to 
exercise as much caution with how they allocate their funds between now and that date. And the only way you can really do that is by being especially frugal now and over the next month and a half to two months. And then that way it provides you an avenue to have more flexibility that can then provide you with something larger this summer. So not to be like the Wizard of Oz, like there's a grand plan here, but there there is legitimately a, a grander plan. It just takes the finan- the finances that come this year in order to help make that happen. If anybody wants to know what Jeremy is dancing around, go look up uh, what the first salary apron is uh, this year. And uh, we, as we've talked about many times, uh, the Knicks can't go over that. So, oh, it's not even that because that's because that would be past the luxury tax. Yeah. Oh, you're right. you're just I'm talking about just the luxury tax. tax. Just the, the Knicks have made a clear, concerted effort to not go ahead of the luxury tax. If they wanted to go ahead of it, they would have done something at the deadline that would have propelled them further. So sure. they they want to stay below it. But there's some really like I, we'll I, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. But I truly believe that we're gonna look back in a couple months, and be like, damn, Brock Aller danced around that tax line in such a way that it led to this that we have to tip our cap not like damn brock aller danced around that tax line uh because he's saving dolan money and like whoa big deal like no it's more about what's the grand prize work backwards and folks that aren't thinking of grand prizes are trying to work forwards and it it can't work that way it just can't because then when you're getting to the point where you want to be you're going to be in some sort of trouble and i will happily elaborate on, on that in the next coming months a couple other quickies before we get to game ball. Um, I'll just read what Andrew has here. The Bucks are four and nine since hiring Doc Rivers. Are they really that bad? My God. Uh, and the Sixers have lost eight of 10 uh, since the Cavs apparently aren't going to lose ever again. Should the three seed be the goal for this season? Um, I'll just say briefly, I still think it is the goal. Um, it should be the goal. It's a good goal. It's a worthy goal. Um, but it, I don't, I also don't feel like, it's like some kind of travesty if they can't get there because there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of unknowns and, and what have you. Is that still the goal for you, though, Jeremy? I'm going to be pedantic and say the goal should be the first seed. You should be the number one seed. But I understand. I like, love it. You, you fall where you fall. Yes. In terms of plausibility, the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. The Cavs have not stopped whatsoever. So I would imagine that getting to the third seed is much more viable. So yes, like that's that's absolutely a goal. Just get home court advantage. That's what makes me uh, the most comfortable. You get into an interesting spot of like, well, I'd rather play the Cavs and the Celtics. And yes, I would probably rather play the Cavs than the Celtics in the playoffs. But you also have to get past your first round series in order to make that distinction. And oftentimes, chips just fall where they may. Last thing before we move on to game ball uh, that I just want to throw in. So. The for anybody who may have missed the specifics of the OG news, um, he will resume basketball activities, on court activities. I forget what the hell the verbiage was, whatever it is. I, uh, I guess, well, if we if we go back from the report, two to three weeks or about three weeks, so that's what right after the All Star break, right? Um, I am assuming that the absolute soonest that we will see either him or Julius Randle back on a court and in uniform will be about two weeks after the all-star break. So I'm just looking ahead. Um, they play at Philly home, Boston at Detroit home, New Orleans home, golden state at Cleveland. You think that might be a notable game. And then if we want to extend it out to at uh, or home for Atlanta, 
on March 5th. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. And now we're talking two games before the All-Star break. That's nine games. So I want to make this point because I do think it's relevant for more than just the next two. I think it's going to be relevant for a while afterwards. I'm curious to see about the minutes now that they have their two new additions here, Bogey and Burks. So last night, Bogey played 33 minutes. Burks played 22 minutes. Um, McBride, interestingly uh, enough, only 10. Looking back over the last seven games, obviously six of these games are were uh, before the... or. Yeah, uh, six of these games are without Burks and, and Bogey. Um, New York uh, has three of the top seven guys in terms of minutes per game in the league. Precious Achua, 40 and a half. He's actually number one. Uh, DiVincenzo, 40.3, tied with DeMar DeRozan for number two. And then Josh Hart at 39 minutes even. I am, I'm just curious to see how those minutes continue to even out moving forward. And the center spot does have a little bit to do with this because if you get, uh, a, you know, Hardenstein slash Sims slash both of those guys back, it lessens the need for Precious to play the four. And then if you don't have to play Precious at the four, then that opens up more minutes. It's a trickle down effect. So just something to monitor because I think anybody watching this team at this point would agree they're they like these guys, they need to, they can't be like the, 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 they're diminishing returns in terms of how many minutes these guys are playing. So just, I wanted to throw it out there. Something I'm going to be watching for moving forward. That's it. Anything you want to say on that? Definitely worthwhile. I think the other fascinating part of this is let's say OG doesn't come back until after the Cavs game. Sure. Due to health, he will have played, or I'm sorry, he will have missed three games against Pacers, all three games against the Cavs. Four out of five against the Celtics, four out of five against the Bucks. Those are the other top five squads. There is an element of surprise if you don't play OG Ananobi that you don't kind of um, tip your hand at what of how you would attack those teams. Like if we see OG out there, it's easy to imagine that he would match up against uh Donovan Mitchell for the most part, maybe switch at other points, but like they have to be the ones to guess in a playoff series. And I, I think almost having that mis- that mystery w- could help the Knicks benefit in terms of a surprise effect of how, you know, it's all about countering and going from game to game, making alterations. So that element of surprise could help the Knicks. But in terms of the minutes, I would agree it'll come more into focus when there's a healthy team. You probably also feel a little bit better about playing Bogdanovich more minutes when you have... <laughs> Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein and OG Ananobi healthy, especially if you also have Mitchell Robinson healthy. And if Isaiah Hartenstein is starting, even when Mitchell Robinson's healthy and Bogdanovich is coming off the bench, you would imagine that Bogdanovich would see most of his time with Mitchell Robinson, who you would think so, who despite having a slightly worse defensive EPM than Isaiah Hartenstein um, to me is still a better rim protector as a whole, but Hartenstein's game on offense opens up more for the offensive side. So, you can mix and match accordingly. It all is about can the Knicks get healthy? And uh, will Jericho Sims survive the scurvy outbreak that only he has? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, He's patient zero. That's what it be. is. He's patient zero. <laughs> yeah. I, like, it's crazy. There's a, there's, or well, this is like new COVID. And Jericho Sims is the first person to get it. He got it from the horses that he was riding. You know, he's got some beautiful horses. He caught, Jokic better watch out. And now, yeah, he should. No, it's, it's a tough, if tough that times for centers. Yeah, it really is. 
Let's give out a game ball uh, before we get sued from the estate of Jericho Sims. Uh, (laughs) To our knowledge. (laughs) Wouldn't be his estate. Actually, if it were his estate, that would that would clear up a lot of things. We'd know he'd be dead. Um, And hopefully he's not. Hopefully he is alive and kicking like his horses. If this gets back to Jericho, Jericho, I love you. You're awesome. I right. You're you're fine. Most important. We just want you to rest up. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Game ball. Give it out to a player, coach, or entity that just... Like, like, like somebody's estate. That's an entity that stood out this week. It deserves special recognition. Uh, Jalen Brunson, who we, I mean, at this point, we could just rename the category uh, Jalen Brunson's game ball. In his two games this week, 66 points on 54.3% shooting. And he's made his debut on the Tonight, Tonight Show, um, which apparently Clyde had never seen before. It's always a mystery. <laughs> Hysterical. Dante DiVincenzo. Scored 82 points, 13 of 33s uh, in three games in 123 minutes is apparently Clay Thompson now. Fell off, finally, finally, finally fell off a little bit against the Pacers, but he had been on the tear of tears. Precious, uh, 45 points and 27 rebounds in three games, 125 minutes, my lord. Has two legs and can walk, which is currently rare for this team. Josh Hart, 23, 10, and 12 on Thursday, 112 minutes in the three games. He can also walk upright uh, successfully, allegedly. And then Quinn Grimes, one final game ball nomination after two and a half years in New York. Um, I, you won this week, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. So, yeah, it's yours. Yes, it is. I will reclaim what's rightfully mine. I'm going to go with Dante DiVincenzo. Really? Okay. Yeah, not because I think he was the best performer, but because it's almost like uh, Al Pacino's scent of a woman. Like he uh, deserved it earlier, but it, it just didn't get to him. So he's just been lights out. The shooting has been elite for the last however many weeks. Like he has come into his own. He's carried this team in quite a few ways. I think what you said about the high usage that it would go to Dante uh, turned out to be pretty clairvoyant. So. He's just uh, the spark that this team has needed. And he is someone that you didn't think you were going to count on quite this much this year, but has been more than just an off-ball shooter that functions in a Tibbs offense. And I think it's a testament to of, you know, Quentin Grimes was this team's starting two guard last year and to start the season. And a big issue that Grimes had was he just couldn't, he couldn't do the things that were more than be the stationary catch and shoot three guy from the corner. And DiVincenzo is showing, well, it's not really the system. It's just, I can do this. And Grimes is not 
as capable of doing it. And that's fine. I hope Grimes finds that role in Detroit. It would mean that they've maximized him as a player. But for what DiVincenzo does and the dimensions that it opens, it's not just a player who's standing in the corner uh, or standing above the break, who's one pass away. It's someone who can actually make something happen with the basketball uh, when it gets to him. So he's been phenomenal and he deserves his flowers. So it is Dante DiVincenzo. Thank you for taking uh, pity on me for, um, although I actually couldn't have won this week because uh, you, you picked one and two and it was one and two. So um, maybe that's why you're taking pity on me and you're leaving me um, Jalen Brunson. Uh, Jalen Brunson last 13 games. Um, again, I'm, this is a little bit Pacino sent the woman because Brunson actually missed one game this week and yet he's still getting my game ball. Uh, here's his last 13. So out of the last 13 games the Knicks have played, he has played in 12 of them because he again missed the one game this week. He's averaging 32.9 uh, points over those dozen games among players who have played um, at least six of the last 13 uh, NBA games that their teams has played uh, have played. That 32.9 points per game is second in the league. Uh, Luca, because he's insane, is at 37.4. He's played in 11 of those 13 games. Um, Embiid would be second, but he only played in five games. He's at 36.8. And then there's Jalen Brunson trailing Luca and Joel for third in points. Here are the guys that are immediately following Brunson. Devin Booker, Steph Curry, SGA, Giannis, Nikola Jokic. So how many MVPs on that list? One, two, three, uh, four. Um, nice, nice company to be in. He's shooting 52.3% from the field. And that's been um, only, I say only 35.1% from deep because as DJ Zulo continues to, to beat the dead horse and as he should, the three point looks are just not there in terms of the quality ever since Randall went down. And um, best of all, I just mentioned a whole bunch of uh, pretty high caliber names, right? Um, the plus minus plus 10.6. That is better than any of those other seven names that I read. Next best is Booker at plus 9.8. In those, again, the uh, next last 13 games of which Brunson has played 12 with him on the court. They are outscoring opponents by 15.1 points per 100 possessions. When he is off the court, um, they are getting outscored by 2.3 points per 100 possessions. That's an MVP candidate. Um, and in, a, in, in some years in NBA history, that would be an MVP. Actually, let me take a step back. That is an MVP. Now, I'm only talking about the last 12 games, not his full season. If you go full season, it's a little bit of a different conversation, but I have just described an MVP. And that's the level that he has been playing. So he, like, he has been playing at an MVP level for the better part of a month, full stop, no, no asterisks, no nothing. You give the team performance, individual stats, impact on the team. It's all there. It's all there. The guy is insane. And we get to watch it right now. And I, I just, I don't know what else there is to say about that. He's ninth in the NBA in estimated wins. Yeah. How's that? That's pretty good. It's pretty good for a free agent signing. Like <laughs> for, who, who was overpaid yeah. at the time. But no, he's been great. It's, yeah. uh, I, uh, like to your point, like it, 
it wasn't pity. I mean, it was a little pity. Like, look at the scoreboard. But it was really just at a certain point, there's almost fatigue. It's like giving a player three MVPs in a row. Like, we got to give it to someone else. But I agree that this should almost be the Jalen Brunson TM game ball award at this point. Yeah. Um, Completely agree. Completely. Uh, That's a good stat, by the way. Detention given to a player, coach, or entity that deserves to sit down for a while and think about what they did wrong. Uh, God and Tibbs. I, I, I see only one person there. It's like the Holy Trinity. Um, can I tell you something funny mm-hmm. that my daughter I, I promise this will be not longer than a minute my daughter is in like the religion classes now because uh, she doesn't she goes to public school and you know we, we, we're a Catholic family uh, very obviously very devout and uh, she is going to these little classes over the weekend and yesterday's class for her they went over like the body and the blood of Christ and how it's the, the Eucharist and the whole thing. So I, I picked her up and I asked her, I'm like, what, so what'd you learn? She's like, Oh yeah, we learned about, you know, it's the body of, it's the body of Christ. I'm like, well, it's not, you know, it's not really the body of Christ. Right. She's like, no, no, no. It represents the body and blood of Christ. I was like, okay, glad we got that. Glad we got that sorted out. And then I said, why did they tell you why you're drinking something that represents the, the body and blood of Christ? It's like, no, they didn't go over that. So I'm like, huh, this is time for dad to fill in the gaps. I was like, it's like a vampire. You want to be closer to the, the individual that you are, you are, you know, be, be join, joining as one with. And that is like, so Jesus is like, or we are like vampires. And then Jesus is our victim. <laughs> Did you like that analogy? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it only represents it, Andrew. It only represents it. It is Sunday morning after all. So it was good that we got uh, some religion brought to the KFS pod. This is the closest I'm getting to church. Okay. Um, anyway, so God and Tibbs, glad we went down that road. Uh, whenever you, whoever you blame. Next for the in between that, and you're like, I've got a story to tell. <laughs> What's going through your mind? You're like, oh, because it said God and Tibbs are the same person to me, like the Holy Trinity, and that's what got me thinking to, of this. You get to vampires? <laughs> I don't know. My my, my mind oh. works in strange ways. Uh, whoever you blame for the injuries that have left the Knicks currently shorthanded, as Jeremy is losing it. But uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, three of ten in his debut. Um, he has not won a game as a Nick. That was a nice stat there, uh, Andrew. Uh, Deuce, four of 18 from three this week. So that's that that kind of finally fell off. Um, 25% in his last six games. Taj, this is not necessarily for poor performance. It is for his own good and don't want to see you join Jericho Sims at the morgue. <laughs> Jesus. And Jaime Hakas Jr. still here from the last several weeks and will be here for the foreseeable future. Um, I will go with... Man, I really don't want to put anyone in detention. Um, I, I'm definitely not putting God in detention, especially not after that story. I'll stick Jaime Hawkins Jr. in there. It's just, it's too easy. Fuck Miami. I'll go with Taj, but again, yeah. not because it's Taj. It's it, it just, it's a situation, like he happens to be the person where this falls on his shoulders. And since Jericho Sims <laughs> is suffering from whooping cough and <laughs> Mitchell Robinson uh, doesn't have an ankle to stand on, and uh, Isaiah Hartenstein has, you know, misplaced his Achilles for the moment, at least a healthy one. 
it's on his shoulders and his and and uh, my precious. So I don't know, like uh, to the point where, yeah, like I guess I could say Deuce if I didn't say Taj, mm. but like he, if you're counting on Deuce, who is who's a fine rotation piece, but they have they've had to count on right, but he's like yeah. he's still going to be in my mind. And, more matching salary who can give you regular season minutes. And that's totally fine because you don't, it's not an insult. It's just like, it's just what he represents. And you can, like, he is important to get into the Knicks to the finish line. So is Taj. Like, these are guys who are doing everything they can to help the Knicks when they need to be picked up the most. It just so happens that the players that they have, also in Taj, like, it was a close basketball game last night. And the third quarter just, it all evaporated and it went from there. What? I'm going to ask something completely random before we do predictions. If you were an NBA team and you had the ability to sign uh, either Deuce or Precious to, uh, let's say, Deuce's contract this summer, uh, who would you take? All things being equal. Probably Precious. Me too. I, and I, like, I, It's not anything against Deuce because there are no. good bigs no. out there, but I think you can find more guards that provide closer to that. Then Precious, the funny thing about Precious is that he just wasn't like before this trade, I would have absolutely said Deuce, but they found a way to unlock Precious in a way that I think other teams might be able to mimic. And with Deuce, they like a lot of it comes down to is the shooting there. And with Precious, we know the shooting isn't there, but as a five, when he plays the five, it's a little bit more like there's, there's, there's that margin of error. Because it's like, well, he's going to do all these other things. And it's not that Deuce can't do those things. But you don't need that shooting from the five. You do need more shooting from the off-ball spot. So yeah. I'd probably I, go with Precious. I wouldn't want to see Precious as like a depth piece on an Eastern Conference competitor in the coming years. Because I'd be like, oh, fuck, that guy's actually pretty good. Um, okay. Uh, predictions presented by PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Um, again, all you do, prizepicks.com slash KFS. Use the code KFS, just three little letters, and they'll match you anywhere you want to be from uh, one to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Um, oh, look at that. I have fallen behind yet again. Jeremy's at nine and five, which means I am at five and nine. Here are our four games. So two before the all-star break, and we're going to do the two after the all-star break because um, we are pre-recording something because we are taking a little vacation. Uh, Monday at Houston. That's an 8 p.m. Uh, start time. Uh, then Wednesday at Orlando. That's a 7 p.m. start time. Uh, then first game after the break at Philadelphia. Uh, that is also a 7 p.m. start time. And then uh, that's a Thursday game. And then Saturday night, ABC, prime time, Boston Celtics. That's the, the Knicks will be back home um, on my wife's birthday. Uh, that is an 8.30 p.m. start time. It's a tough one. So just I thinking think this through. I think it's, there's an obvious one staring at you. but Yes, I agree. But I think looking at this, they, they've matched up poorly against Orlando. But the most important factor in my mind is that I presume they won't have rim protection for another two games. And then they're playing the Sixers who have, I think they're, I mean, they're pretty terrible without Joel Embiid. They're getting some reinforcement in Kyle Lowry. The Celtics are the Celtics. And I, you know, is Julius Randle going to be back 
by that game. I'm going to have to just assume no. I'm going to go one and three. I don't feel great about it. I think the wow. obvious one you're probably thinking was two and two. And yeah. going into this week, I was thinking when I thought I was going to win, like, sure. all right, two and two feels like a, a safe version to go with. But that, like, I'm just thinking about what Shingun could do to the Knicks uh, because the Knicks just don't have someone to really protect the rim consistently while he's out there. Uh, again, the the Magic do a really nice job against the Knicks. They've trapped Jalen Brunson pretty well. Yeah, I think I, I'm kind of a little concerned about who's going to stop Boncaro and uh, Franz Wagner because they just have a ton of size and the Knicks don't have players with size that are healthy right now. I think with the Sixers where it just takes one game for them to really light things up and that's kind of that. Uh, and then there's the Celtics where I think it's a lot closer if this team is healthy against that Celtic squad. I don't see a, a lot of healthy players. I think they'll be healthier. I would hope Hartenstein's back. We'll see if Mitch is back. I, I, it seems like he'll be resuming on court activities, so he won't be quite ready for that then. OG will still be out. It just takes one off game for some of their players, but I don't feel great about two and two, and I'm going to have to go with one and three. You gave me a gift because if you had taken two and two, um, I would have taken three and one. Um, And so I'll happily take two and two, which means if they go two and two, I win. If they go three and one, I win. Um, I would have thought you had taken one and three for whatever it's worth. That's, I mean, I would hope so. Otherwise, your logic would not have checked out and picking what you picked. (laughs) I don't even Uh, know who you are anymore. No, I'm I'm saying it with my full chest. I I think you know that. Hey, listen, I'm always full of surprises, right? When when things appear great, I'm gonna be negative, and when things appear not great, I'm gonna be a little bit more positive. I think I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know who they're gonna do it with, but I do have confidence that this team is gonna win uh, at least two of the next four games. And I would not be surprised if they went three and one. Um, Hope you win, you the know, week. because we'll we'll see. They, they, listen, I know we're not feeling great after these last couple of games, but uh, it's a long season, as we always say on here. It's a long season, and just when you think things are at their worst, is when they could turn around, and vice versa. So, um, we will see how they do. And that is it for us. Uh, we don't have any announcements. Just enjoy the All Star break. Um, actually, one more quick plug uh, for anybody who may have missed it and is listening to this episode and um, loves KFS, we have hats for sale. Uh, I'm plugging that because Andrew is wearing it right now. I like the blue. I got to say, I like the blue. It's it's a good look on you, Andrew. It's a good color for you. Thank you. I wear a lot of blue hats. So you do. Yes, you do. It's true. Um, and handy. when you're wearing... Was I? Comes in handy. Well, I was going to say, when you're, when you're not wearing a, a blue hat, when you're wearing a Jets hat, you are you are blue. Uh, because it's the Jets, so that works well. Um, Thank you. I yes, I, I agree. Yes. Here's a congratulations, last Andrew. You, you you popped up here just to get insulted. Just just to I mean, yeah. being you're, you're marketing fan, our hats, and and we're just gonna insult you. Being a Jets fan quite literally is an insult to to my life, and just a, a testament to poor life choices. Uh, can I make add one segment that I realize we do this every year? Why just forgot to add it sure. uh, because we're releasing this on Super Bowl Sunday or out and obviously you're listening to this on before the Super Bowl uh, gentlemen your Super Bowl predictions for oh, today Jesus. Uh, t- t- 
John, do you know who's playing in the Super Bowl? Yes, I know who's playing. Uh, okay. Chiefs, 27, Chiefs 27, Niners, oh God, 17. Uh, okay. Jeremy. I'll go Chiefs 24, Niners 20. Okay. Great. I will go Niners 20, Niners 26, Chiefs, Chiefs 14. No, they're not going to hold get hold of 14 points. I'll go 26 21 will be the final score. It'll be a weird mm-hmm. score like that. Okay. Giddy up. All right. On that note, um, thank you, everybody. Uh, lots more stuff coming up this week. We'll have our usual episode drop in next week, even though we'll, we will have recorded it beforehand. And uh, yeah, everybody be well. And uh, I'll talk to you. Oh, this- wait, 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 wait. Steve Popper just tweeted out. We're so glad we got this in right before the show ended. Slightly better news for the Knicks that they head to the. As they head to last two games before All-Star break, hearing that Jericho Sims, who missed the last three games with an illness, is traveling with the team today to Houston. He has risen from the dead. Vampire. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a vampire. It all comes full circle. I need that first question. In the first 20 minutes and has rose again Hold in on. the last few seconds. I, I need I that figured. first question to be, uh, how is Scarlet Fever? And like, what would you recommend <laughs> to survive that for anyone who else catches it? Guys, I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta go tell my wife to cancel a flower delivery to a certain somebody's family. Um, gotcha. Awesome to hear, Jericho. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Steve Popper, for tweeting that out. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. Please don't put us in hell, or me at least. Uh, we will talk at Bernie, that man. <laughs> Not hell, detention. Detention, yeah. Discussed, yeah. It's the same thing. All right, talk to everybody later. Bye.